Dr. Adil, so cool to have you with us for the Khalifa podcast. How are you? All is well. Thank you very much for receiving me again. Well, Appreciate it. Always, so no, always. Hey, listen, I'm the lucky girl. <laughs> I'm the lucky girl. <laughs> I've always been lucky around you. Oh, Thank you very much. Uh, you're a sweetheart. So, Dr. Adil Al-Zaruni, um, you're here today to talk not only about uh, your book, but obviously Zane Investments, and also you are an expert on family offices and family businesses here in the region. I hope so. <laughs> so let's kick start. Um, these last years have been quite interesting and crazy. Tell us about the family office space and family business space here in the region and how are they adapting to what's going on in the world? As you would be aware, family offices play a substantial role globally when it comes to employment and GDP, and more so actually in the region. Um, family offices tend to be a bit more resilient to economic fluctuations because they usually are long-term in nature and they usually are um, more loyal to the context that they fall within. So they take care of relationships within the context they fall in, whether it is socially or politically. So they don't tend to take um, quick moves albeit at time go they they go against their financial performance so they tend to not uh, fire people haphazardly or quickly they tend to try and find mid grounds to keep people within the business uh, treat them more like family and all so all of these aspects um and, and, and yeah they don't tend to diversify much and move money across borders a lot uh, all of these features um, help in uh, stabilizing uh, the economies they serve within. So they did play a major role in keeping many economies more stable, uh, and especially in this region. Uh, of course, as a shock, it got these families to think about their strategies and how to sustain themselves uh, in situations whereby a lot of industries faced really hard time. So I do believe that a lot of these families are have contemplated and, and are seriously contemplating uh, proper governance, uh, better legal structuring, better financial structuring, more diversification across different industries, better uh, need for better skill sets uh, and, and, and more competent workforce within their environments. Um, and take the second generation or the next generation more seriously and involve them a bit more early. Uh, so, so I do see a lot of um, uh, advancements happening uh, within family offices globally and more so regionally. And you also notice probably that more governments are looking more seriously on those family businesses, seeing their effect on the economy and social stability. So I think um, all of these things, I see them positive. Hiring the right people and also um, attaining, retaining those right people is very important also for family offices. How do you feel family offices have done so well in retaining uh, their staff, especially during COVID? I know you had a lot, some examples when uh, we last spoke. Yes, definitely. I mean, uh, as I mentioned, um, 
family offices tend to fire people less than other businesses or other forms of businesses because they tend to be less hierarchical in nature. They tend to treat uh, employees more like family at some stage. And to a certain degree, a lot of uh, employees like that, like that kind of uh, feel within an organization, like the fact that uh, you know, they can always find solutions to problems, like the, the, the more flat kind of organizations. And uh, I understand that occasionally there are compromises. Uh, for example, uh, more ambitious uh, employees would want uh, to jump into more um, financially driven organizations and with substantially much higher salaries. So, so yes, I understand that there is a balance and, uh, and family offices offer certain lifestyle that appeals to a lot of uh, employees uh, and, and, and is successful in, t- in maintaining them. Well, for our audience, you are a very well-established entrepreneur, uh, chairman of your own family business and family office, as well as a great thought leader here in the region. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about Zane Investments? Yes, it's uh, my family office. I created around 13 years ago now. We mainly ventured into, uh, started with healthcare. So we've had a number of ventures that I'm very proud of. We exited most of them. So it was very successful ventures. Got into uh, financial services, technology companies, logistics, and uh, recently just opened my uh, first venture in education, which is a school just uh, opposite to CityWalk, and it's a, an upcoming promising education project that I'm very, very passionate about, uh, basically um, based on a couple of thoughts that I want to deliver on in the education sphere, um, A, quality of life, and B, the ability to identify problems and opportunities and teaming up and communicating to solve them. So those two concepts that I hope that my the school citizens the school is able to deliver on. So it's my 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 new new passion. Um, uh, and that is the investment, Al-Zaruni Emirates Investments. Now I run other groups also. So um, I'm also fortunate to be in the field of FMB and FMCG, in the fields of uh, fintech, uh, sport uh, tech, and, uh, and and in private equity, focusing on pre-IPO healthcare and educational opportunities. You mentioned um, when you gave gave me that beautiful tour of your school that what was it fifty percent of the next generation will all be entrepreneurs and so through the school you're yeah. going to help them towards that direction. So um, a couple of shocking, overwhelming stats statistics that probably a lot of people has not yet comprehended is that within the next ten to fifteen years almost 40% of kids graduating from school will have to be self-employed. So entrepreneurship is not a 
a nice thing to have. It's survival now. And a lot of people don't see it. That's, that's scary. Uh, unlike almost 200 years of industrial revolution, starting with the industrial revolution, of, of almost 200 years of people almost knowing they would, that they would fall in some form of a job, uh, they do not see that that wouldn't be an option 10 to 15 years from now. They will have to be self-employed. So they will have to master skill sets that will entail them to create ventures whereby they self-fund basically so self so so that would require a, a different way of thinking a different way of communicating a different way of delivering value a different way of monetization or monetizing opportunities so these skill sets i am building the school to deliver on now 60%, I said about the 40%, yeah? So 60% will fall into jobs that we don't know of. That's equally scary. So unlike uh, many generations whereby you almost knew that you'll end up an engineer somewhere or a marketeer or a, an, an analyst or a fine, an accountant or... No, that is not known anymore and especially 10 to 15 years from now, where will they fall, the graduates? Which kind of jobs is unknown? So how can we prepare them for such a future? Is to expose them to technologies that are yet brewing, to expose them to learning behaviors that will help them to self-teach, and to self-propagate in any environment that they would fall in. So basically give them the ability to choose, to have a choice. So give them the power of choice, as I call it, uh, in order to fall into any future that there would be by that time. And I think that is a responsibility on us in this era, to grow an education system that can deliver on these. Otherwise, you know, even now, there are studies that show that less than 50% of students graduating from school feel that they are ready for the world. Yeah, that's not, that shouldn't be taken lightly. Yeah? So I think it's a, a, a responsibility on us to imagine their future and ready them for any future that there could be. At least try. And that's what I'm doing. Citizens. Taking that information that you've just shared with us in terms of the importance of pre preparing the next generation for success, especially when it comes to overtaking a family business or family office, based on what you've just shared with us, what advice would you give to our um, family offices and family businesses here in the UAE? I, I won't go into the usual jargon. I think I'll try to hit key points that families can focus on. A, the importance of family offices and their, I would say control, uh, contribution to GDP is only increasing. So it's on the increase, not on the decline, as many people would make it look so. Their uh, importance, uh, their existence 
continues to be more important as time goes by. Uh, as of now, I think uh, of the Fortune 500 companies, we've already, family offices already has jumped from assuming 15% of them to around 25%. And it is uh, forecasted to go up to 40% within the next 10 to 15 years. So family offices assumption of Fortune 500 companies will only grow. Yeah. So be positive. This is number one on family offices. Second thing is governance. Family offices need to be structured financially and legally in a way that helps them survive if they wish to stay together. And that's the third point. It's not a a forced relationship. Family offices and family members need to be educated and communicated to in that they have right to their wealth that wealth staying together has power, has a lot of power. It introduces efficiency and cost. It is able to attract talent because that money stays together and that talent can be used efficiently. So, so, so communication is very important and education to family offices so that they understand staying together is, a, is, a, is power is not a man a forceful relationship and last but not least and there are many points i can speak forever about the subject is the understanding that money management is a science and an art so to assume that their old habits on money management will continue to suffice is also a big mistake they need to evolve their understanding of the science of money management. So they continue to grow in where they have legacy and they have strength and capabilities, as well as to continue to grow their money management ability more fundamentally, whereby they are more diversified. They, they manage a risk portfolio of assets that can survive that can help the family survive generations and that does not usually happen with highly focused concentration of money into certain industries and certain risk or certain risk uh, class asset classes so to think out of what they are used to when it comes to money management and grow a more fundamentally solid risk for profile that is properly governed is a is an aspect that i highly uh, advise uh, family offices to think of so governance communication and education uh, proper money management uh, uh, and be positive and the last thing just be positive uh, because they are important and they will continue to be important for the foreseen future um, a question, how does one select and prepare the next chairman and next chairwoman from the family, from the kids? I think uh, the ones that prove competent competence in communication, empathy, education, and capability of money management. Those are the ones that need to be served. It's a democracy. So whoever is able to actually do that in real life should be seen as a potential chair or a leader of a family office. 
whoever is capable of bringing people together, assuring them that their rights are protected, is able to portray capability in leading teams and growing a balanced asset class risk portfolio. Yeah? Whoever is able to do the, those three things, I would believe is the best to be cho- chosen as to be in the leadership team or the steering wheel of, of a family office. Mm-hmm. So, so it's not, you know, grooming is important. It, it's part of the process, but a, the natural selection has to come bearing in mind these variables, proper communication, education, bringing people together, team, team leadership and money management. Now, you've consolidated all your expertise on the family business and ensuring their sort of success moving forward with this book. Yeah, the tiny book. The tiny book. Tell us more. So it it came out of my PhD studies, actually. And the reason why I went for a PhD in the subject was my own struggle with my own family office when it comes to setting it up and applying best practices, uh, whereby I've realized that most of what was there was not really applicable due to many factors inclusive of society, political, financial structure of the country, legal structure of the country, and so on and so forth. So I wanted to research uh, about this, you know, the subject, and I, and, I did a, and I did my studies on it, and I thought that the outcome was interesting enough to put in a book, but I intentionally did not want to produce a you know, a scientific research-oriented book with that kind of academic language. I wanted an easy read, like an hour read, that hits the nail on the head, yeah? whereby the reader would get the gist of what needs, how, how to, to see the subject and what are the step-by-step um, guideline would help in, in that they get to their ultimate objective of helping their families sustain themselves. So it's called sustaining family businesses, the essentials. And and I wanted to deliver the essentials in a very readable, easy way to get them informed enough to make the, f- the few steps they need to make. Mm-hmm. Any do's and don'ts you want to highlight uh, to, our, to our audience? So um, <coughs> the don'ts, let me start with the don'ts. The don'ts is don't be uh, demoted by the negativity that goes around many of the family stories, family businesses stories. Uh, there are m- way more advantages and positivities than there are negativities. A. Don't be driven by the key subjects that everybody talks about, which is you know, focusing on governance and succession, and that is the main problem. No, it's, these are not the main problems. They are problems to be taken care of, but there are many more important uh, subjects to be attended to first, and education is the most important one, in my opinion. Because the moment you educate people, you bring them together, and the moment they, you bring them together, life becomes much easier. Um, the do's. Yes, you need proper legal and financial structure with a strategy and the strategy meant to consider the social and economic and 
political context you fall in so as to grow a a balanced business that can survive turbulences and can keep the family in a good health and wealth status for a few decades moving forward. So a strategy has to encompass that. And um, and it's a democracy. Family members have to continuously buy into the story of being together and having strength in doing so. Otherwise, it shouldn't be a forced relationship. Uh, once it's forced, it falls apart, in my opinion. So these are the do's and the don'ts that I have on the top of my eye. And, well, I know you have your soft opening coming s- soon for your school. Yes, end of June. S- yeah, so um, we wish you heaps of success. Many, I many thanks. This be the first of many schools. And, uh, and Dr. Adil, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. I appreciate uh, the time and, uh, and hope to see you very soon. Thank you.